In his autobiography of a yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda tells the story of how he received his Sanskrit name from his guru, Swami Sri Yukteswar. Sri Yukteswar said, I will give you the privilege of choosing your own name. And Paramahansaji writes, Yogananda, I replied, after a moment's thought, the name means bliss, Ananda, through divine union, yoga. Be it so, forsaking your family name of Makunda Lal Ghosh, henceforth you shall be called Yogananda of the Giri branch of the Swami order. As I knelt before Sri Yukteswar and for the first time heard him pronounce my name, my heart overflowed with gratitude. How lovingly and tirelessly had he labored that the boy Makunda be someday transformed into the monk Yogananda. I like this story of Master because it parallels a story of my own. In 1990, Sri Mata, our late president, invited me to take the vow of sannyas. And she said to me, the same as Sri Yukteswar, would you like to choose your name? And I said, oh, dear Ma, I would be honored if you would choose my name for me. She replied, very well, dear, make a list of preferred names and then we will go through it together and I will make a choice. So I did my research and prepared about five names, Sanskrit names, the meaning which resonated with my sense of purpose in the monastic life. And on a morning I met with her, she was sitting across from me, I handed her my list and she looked at them and went through the names silently, looked at me and reviewed. And then she said, Satyananda, bliss through truth. You love the truth, don't you? And I said, yes, Ma, I love the truth. Let your name be Satyananda. And then she studied me for a long time, looking directly at me very intently. And then softly she said, always seek the truth and never stop until you have the truth. And I'm forever grateful that I asked this question. I said, Ma, how will I know when I have the truth? Her answer, love is there. This has been a beautiful lesson for me throughout my life. Truth is the perception, love is the confirmation. And this is a truth that I have to work for and a love that I have to wait for. But I have learned that if I'm patient, there come insights, solutions, conclusions that are accompanied by a feeling in the heart. And the feeling begins as a sense of harmony, a harmony or a peace. And as I concentrate on this feeling with a quiet mind, it begins to grow and it manifests as love.
I have learned to trust this feeling of love and be guided by it. So truth is the perception. Love is the confirmation. I'm always seeking truth and I'm always waiting for love. Our session now is on love, both human and divine. Do you like riddles? I've got two riddles. Both have a one-word answer, the same word. I cannot be seen, yet I am everywhere. I am hard to know, yet easy to feel. I am sweet, I can also be bitter. I am priceless, but I am free. What am I? Love. Rich people want it, wise people know it. Sad people need it, kind people show it. What is it? Love. And one more, a classic, one we all know. The more of it we give away, the more of it we have to keep. Isn't that love? From the human perspective, love can easily be a riddle or a conundrum. But we can understand it better if we begin to understand God's grand design for love. We know the human emotion of love, something that rises naturally in the heart. We see a child with trusting eyes standing behind a protective parent. We can feel the tenderness there and love arises in our heart. We see a couple walking alone on the beach, uh, maybe partners for many years or maybe new friends. And we feel the intimacy of their moment and love arises in our heart. Or we may be walking on a hilltop in spring, green grass, clear skies, beautiful views. And we feel a sense of love and contentment in that space. Or a memory of a family event during happy times. There is a memory that arouses the emotion of love and we remember the relationships, the activities, um, how much we enjoyed it. These are all emotions that we know and we're very familiar with. These emotions are connected to external objects, to conditions, and outer experiences. It's our child, it's uh, a special friend, it's a favorite place, it's a happy memory. This kind of love enriches our lives. And of course, we want more. We're always striving for more. There's never enough human love to completely fill our hearts. And we become attached. We become attached to the outer form that brings us love and arouses this emotion. But this love, this human love, is dependent on outer conditions. And these outer conditions are always changing. So the emotion of human love attached to changing outer conditions is inherently unstable. It can be temporarily satisfying, but never completely fulfilling. 
because when the outer object of love is lost, love is lost, and we grieve, and again we are yearning for something more. But even this yearning for more, this is also part of God's design, because God's design for love is based on the law of expansion. Ultimately, human love has a far greater purpose and potential. Our guru says, in the universal sense, love is the divine power of attraction in creation that harmonizes, unites, binds together those who live in tune with the attractive force of love, achieve harmony with nature and their fellow beings, and are attracted to blissful reunion with God. So in essence, love is transparent. It's a divine power. It's a cosmic energy. It's an omnipresent force. Guruji says, love is a universal emotion. Its expressions are distinguished by the nature of the thought through which it moves. If I take water from a lake and I hold it in my hand, it's colorless, it's clear. But if I put that water in the lake, under cloudy skies, the water is gray. Under blue skies, the water is blue. Under the trees, it's green. Coming down from the glacier, it's white. It's the same water, but it's expressing in different ways. Love's expressions are distinguished by the nature of the thought through which it moves. So love, through the thoughts of a father, have a very unique expression. The same love flowing through the thoughts of a mother are a different unique expression. Love through a friend, love through a dancer, love through uh, a painter. It's all expressing itself in different ways. Each expression is unique, but the love that flows is the same. And Guruji summarizes for us and says, every reflection of love comes from the one cosmic love. I find this very mystical. Isn't it fascinating? It's wonderful to explore these concepts in their cosmic dimension. Our guru is very clever, and he uses a child's game to teach us the dynamic of universal love. He says that through all of love's different human expressions, God is playing hide and seek with us. I'm remembering now a program that I conducted in Santiago, Chile, and we were at the hotel where the events were taking place. On this morning, I was sitting in the foyer, large hotel foyer, and I was off in a corner doing counseling conversations. And as I was talking to the person in front of me, out of the corner of my eye, I saw children kind of running around in the central lobby. 
and I saw a little boy cover his eyes and he said, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. And then the little kids are giggling and they're scurrying around, hiding behind couches and potted plants and statues. I know what they're doing. They're playing a game of hide and seek. And I know this game very well. I played it in Los Angeles when I was a little boy. And you, you played it in Sydney, in Mumbai, in Tel Aviv, in Paris, wherever you grew up as a small child, you played this game. Nobody gave you the rules. You just made it up. And all children make up the same rules and play the same game. Love um, is different in all of its human expressions. And this expression of love is God playing hide and seek with you. So God has, in a sense, blindfolded us and wants to play hide and seek. In his beautiful scripture of love, Paramahansa Yogananda speaks as the voice of the Lord and says, So my love is playing hide and seek in all human hearts that each might learn to discover and worship not the temporal receptacles of my love, but my love itself, dancing from one heart to another. And then Guruji gives a very touching personal testimony in this same essay. He says, I sought love in many lives. I shed bitter tears of separation and repentance to know what love is. I sacrificed everything, all attachment and delusion, to learn at last that I am in love with love, with God alone. So here is the source code for love. Your experience of human love has the potential to expand into universal love until you become in love with love. And this is God's design. Also, your soul consciousness at full potential is the perfect channel for experiencing and expressing God's universal love. This is also God's design. So I think we have a spiritual project here, something that we can work on both in our sadhana and in our daily life to liberate our human love from dependency on outer forms so that we might discover and experience universal love flowing from an infinite source right within. Sri Yukteswar, our Gyanavatar, the avatar of wisdom, writes beautifully about love. In his book, The Holy Science, he defines spiritual progress as an evolution of the heart. He says we pass through stages of expansion to receive and embrace the universal love 
of God. Sri Yukteswar calls this the heart's natural love. He says, the heart's natural love is the principal requisite to attain a holy life. And so we follow the Satguru, we follow the Guru's teachings in our daily life, we practice daily his scientific methods of meditation, especially Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga accelerates our inner growth and the development of the heart. We gradually gain the ability to withdraw the life force and consciousness away from the outside world into a place of incredible, sweet, sweet stillness within. And this place of sweet stillness within us in meditation is the realm of intuitive feeling. And here is where the heart becomes purified and begins to manifest a steadfastness. In Sutra 28 of the Holy Science, Sri Yukteswar says, if man continues in the baptized state, remaining immersed in the holy stream, he gradually comes to a pleasant state wherein his heart wholly abandons the ideas of the external world and becomes devoted to the internal one. He wholly abandons the ideas of the external world and becomes devoted to the internal one. So in a single sentence of this short sutra, Sri Yukteswar is defining for us a polar shift in consciousness, a complete reorientation from personal dependency upon an outer unstable world to a new reliance, a new powerful reliance on an inner source that's flowing from right within us. As Kriya advances the heart and we enter into profound stillness of meditation, obstacles of restlessness are removed and this allows the inner channel to be cleared for the full flow of universal love. Our guru gives this analogy. He says, if I put a screen before me I will still be here, but you won't see me. Take the screen away and you will see me. So the screen of feeling arising from the ego, ahamkara or body consciousness, hides God's joy. Remove the screen through meditation and you will behold that joy. I was talking recently to a young woman who is taking her spiritual life very seriously. And she said, Brother, this past year has been a very, a very deep struggle for me in meditation. I have been taking the insecurities of the outer world and bringing them with me into meditation. But I have been making extra effort in recent months. And I can happily say that I'm now arriving to a place within of the most beautiful, sweet stillness. It is so comforting. I want to remain there forever. 
And so as we remain immersed in this holy stream of inner stillness, attunement with the heart's natural love begins to grow. And as we concentrate on this, it begins to expand. We experience God in a whole new and personal way. Guruji says, God talks to his devotees through intuitive feeling. As intuitive feeling begins to awaken in meditation, we realize this is something that I can trust. This is a feeling that I can trust. And we begin to recognize that we cannot completely trust our human emotions. They are biased by changing outer circumstances and our own attachments. But if we are following the guru and the truth that flows from within confirmed by love, this is something that we can trust. Guruji says, the love of God cannot be described, but it can be felt as the heart is purified and made constant. As the mind and feeling are directed inward, you begin to feel his joy. The pleasures of the senses do not last, but the joy of God is everlasting. Okay, so God wants to play a game with you. How about a game of hide and seek with God? You know the rules now. Discovering God's love, hiding behind your human emotion of love, capturing it, celebrating it as a spark of God's love right within you. A simple game a game that God wants to play with you and I. Here's how I play. As a minister of Self-Realization Fellowship, I conduct ceremonies. And one of the ceremonies that we perform for families is a christening blessing for little children. And I'm remembering now a blessing ceremony I was performing for a family. They had a beautiful little girl maybe six, seven months old. And we are in the sanctuary of Lake Shrine. I am performing the ceremony before the altar and the family is in the front row sitting there with their friends. And the mother is holding the little girl and she's sound asleep. Sometimes it's good if they're sleeping through the ceremony. And it comes to the point where I am supposed, as a minister, supposed to give a blessing by touching the child on the spiritual eye, the kutasta. And so I call the family forward, and they all come forward, and the mother is holding the little baby girl, and she brings up close. And I lift my hand up, getting ready to apply the blessing to the forehead, and the little girl wakes up. She's fresh from the astral. And she has this big smile on her face, and she's looking at my finger. And it's almost like, are you going to touch me? And then I lean forward, and I bring my hand down, and I'm smiling. She's smiling. And she's looking at my finger, but at some point, her gaze shifts to mine. And I'm looking directly into her eyes. 
the two of us are gazing soul to soul into each other's eyes. And at that moment, I feel this burst of love. It's a natural human emotion that arises in the heart as an explosion of love. It's a fatherly love. And in that moment, the little girl is mine. She's my little girl for that moment. And then I bring my hand down. She closes her eyes and I touch her forehead and hold it, asking God and the great masters to bless her. And then I step back and she opens her eyes. The mother and father take her back and sit down. We finish the ceremony. We take pictures. We sign the documents and they take the little girl away. The little girl is gone, but the love, the love remains. And I am now concentrating on that love, which I have captured. And I know that it is the love of God. It is not my human emotion. It is the love of God hiding behind human love. And as I continue to concentrate upon that love, it continues. The object of the love is no more present. And yet, I am in love with love. So we can play this game with all positive emotions of the human heart, with love, with sympathy, with compassion, empathy, contentment. Any time love naturally arises in the heart, we can know God is playing hide and seek with us here. And if we capture this emotion of love as it arises and liberate it from the outer object, we have distilled the essence of God's love in our heart. And then we can say, too, I am in love with love. And we will also find that our fam love for our family, our people, our world has not been diminished. It has rather increased because it has become unconditional. Kabir, a 15th century mystical poet of India, sings the praises of love that is blended with detachment. In Songs of Kabir, Sloka 17, he sings, The devout seeker is he who mingles in his heart the double currents of love and detachment like the mingling of the streams of Ganga and Jamna. In his heart, the sacred water flows day and night, and thus the round of births and deaths is brought to an end. As we liberate our love from outer objects of attachment, we realize the source within us. Our human love is then free to expand and become universal. So Master says, purify the heart's love until it becomes divine. Purify the heart's love until it becomes divine. A man is dying and he wants to go, but he has a mortal dilemma. We are on his phone, and he is in bed, and he says to me, 
my brother is angry and he refuses to visit me. I want to resolve this before I depart. What can I do? And I tell him, your brother is not ready, but you are. Forgive him of everything. Let it all go and give everything to God. And he says, right now, you don't have much time. And I don't have a choice, do I? Well, yes, you do. But it may mean coming back another life just to reach this same point again. Long pause. He's crying. And finally, he says, brother, I feel so much love for my brother. I feel so much love for God. He has the truth. He has the confirmation. He's free. Self-realization is a path of the expanding heart. The science of yoga prepares us for this expansion, but we must eagerly step into it. The highest path of soul progress is defined by our own yearning. The Indian sage Patanjali wrote, attainment of the goal of yoga, union with God, is nearest to those possessing divine ardor. The union with God is nearest to those possessing divine ardor. Now, we might assume that the high intensity devotion of Paramahansa Yogananda is something that we are not capable of. Or maybe if we're really lucky, um, it will just arrive on its own someday. No. Divine ardor must be created. I'm remembering a satsanga that the late brother Anandamoy gave to the monks a number of years ago. And the monks, uh, one monk asked this question, um, brother, what is the secret of building greater devotion to God. And Brother surprised all of us. He said, willpower, willpower. He said, devotion is an act of the will. It's a free choice from the soul. So ardor must be created using our own will. If we want to expand our love, and make contact with God and receive answers to our prayers, we must cultivate ardor with conscious intention. And this is God's design. At Lake Shrine, when guests enter into the Windmill Chapel, they see a little sign, inspirational sign of Guruji's words. A prayer that is strong and deep will definitely receive God's answer. A prayer that is strong and deep will definitely receive God's answer. And after reading that, we see people approach the altar and they stand for the longest time. And afterwards they said, you know, those words had a powerful effect on me. And I realized that I've been praying 
but my prayers have not been strong and deep. So we do pray sincerely. How can we pray strong and deep? Our master shares his experience composing one of his cosmic chants. It happens to be one of my personal favorites. I give you my soul call. Many of you, I'm sure, know this chant and have chanted it yourself. Guruji tells the story of how he composed this chant. Every night, commune with the Lord. Talk to him. Pray to him. Sincerely say, Lord, I know you are here. You must talk to me. Come out of the cave of silence. This prayer is expressed in a song I wrote to the Divine Mother when I visited the desert near Palm Springs. Mother, I give you my soul call. You cannot remain hidden anymore. Come out of the silent sky. Come out of the mountain glen. Come out of my secret soul. Come out of my cave of silence. Master continues, I had just finished the song when I saw a wondrous form. The Divine Mother appeared from out of the sky. In response to my soul call, I beheld everywhere and in everything the Cosmic Mother. I prayed and worshipped her. She blessed me. She talked with me. People often say to me, Brother, when I first came on this spiritual path, when I was first seeking, I had some amazing experiences with God, experience with my prayer being answered. It was almost miraculous. And looking back now, I realize that nothing equal to it has happened for a long time. Why is this? Well, think back. Think back on your need at that time. How intense was your need? How urgent was your prayer? Was there a compelling driving force behind your repetition of thoughts inside? It was dynamic, perhaps, and you needed to have an answer. It was, it was urgent. You had no other options. You were offering a very informal, personal petition. It was not a formal prayer. It was actually more than a formal prayer. It was a soul call, and God answers soul calls. In ancient times in India, mothers in rural villages used to teach their daughters how to churn milk. And so we have a mother with her young daughter, and she's teaching her how to milk the cow. And then they take the fresh milk, and they pour it into a clay pot. And then the mother carries the clay pot full of milk into a shed, and she puts it in the corner where two walls meet. She sits her little daughter down on the floor, and her daughter presses her feet up against the pot, holding it secure against the corner of the walls. On top of the pot is a wooden spindle, a pulley, and a paddle that goes down into the fresh milk. The mother gives the daughter a little cord or a rope, and she shows her how to pull on the pulley and move the paddle in the milk. 
the little girl starts to pull and she's kind of listless and kind of weak and the mother says no no pull harder and so the little girl pulls harder no you have to do faster we won't have any butter and the little girl's pulling faster and the mother is here training her daughter how to churn butter out of milk and she won't let the little girl give up she won't let her relax her efforts she's always encouraging her increase your effort i know you're tired honey the butter is coming keep churning don't stop and then finally the reward the butter is forming you've done it guruji uses this concept as an illustration for prayer he says with all the concentration of your mind with all the love of your heart tear at the veils of silence again and again as constant churning brings hidden butter out of milk churn the ether with the ladle of your devotion and it shall produce god so we are like a little child learning how to make butter at first our prayers may be weak uh, we may be lacking in concentration. We may be listless in our willpower. Uh, we are easily distracted. We are sincere in wanting to make connection with our prayer, but we haven't applied ourselves yet. The message here, we can train ourselves to make prayer strong and deep. You can build a soul call. Think of a soul call in stages. There might be the gentle request. You're getting acquainted with God in the silence of your mind. So you're entering into meditation. It would be nice to do this at the end of the meditation. Um, your closed eyes in a place of quietness inside and you feel that God is there with you. So you begin talking to God. Mother, I give you my soul call. You cannot remain hidden anymore. But don't stop there. Increase the intensity just a little bit from a gentle request. Make it a, a firm, sincere prayer. Come out of the silent sky. Come out of the mountain glen. Come out of my secret soul. You are putting more energy into it. And then you can even increase it to a strong petition. Oh, Mother, I give you my soul call. You cannot remain hidden anymore. You're putting more emotion, more will, more energy into it, and you can increase it to a strong petition, an urgent demand. Guruji says that prayer demands with faith and sincerity do draw a response from God. And so you can increase the inner power of your prayer to a demand and then a powerful invocation that's filled with faith you have manifested to my guru i believe his testimony i know that you are here hiding behind the darkness of my closed eyes hiding behind the emotion of love that i feel for you oh mother i give you my soul call you cannot remain hidden anymore and so gradually you are working this up you're escalating your energetic effort from a gentle prayer into a powerful soul call.
Guruji says, supporting this concept, repeating a demand with deepening concentration and faith is not mechanical repetition, but a changing, progressing power and mental preparation, which step by step scientifically reaches God. So the secret to building a soul call is doing it in stages. I would like to offer a little spiritual homework. Experiment with this. Take a prayer that resonates with you, something that seems to fit your need, your current need, any need, and begin working with it in stages. Start it off simple and gentle, and then gradually increase your inner intensity until you begin to feel a dynamic force being created within you. And then when you begin to feel that vibration of power of the affirmation of the invocation, meditate upon that. Meditate on it and you will see that as you meditate on this, it begins to increase further. And then an inner perception of truth will come. An inner realization of truth will come as God's answer and a confirmation. Love is there. And so our Guru says, if you offer your reverence continuously with ever-increasing intensity, you will see and feel the presence of God today as you have never experienced it before. Look for a link in the description below. We have a short companion video. Join me there and we will practice these principles together.